0: Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search EChurchVR. VR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. A few months ago in, I believe, the end of August, beginning of September, we handed out surveys for three, four weeks to every one of you and saying, what is it that you're facing in life? What is your top three things that you want to hear about? What do you want to hear about? So today you better be listening because you asked for it. Right. This is what you asked for. Now, some people have come to me and say, Pastor, I just don't know if that's right. I don't, I don't feel comfortable with that. I don't think people should tell you what to preach. Well, in fact, if you would look at Jesus and the teachings that he taught in the Gospels, he taught in reference to people's questions. When people came to him with a question, he taught parables and he gave life lessons to them. He took the struggles of where they were at and he showed that he was the answer to every problem and circumstance that we can face in our lives. And some people said, but man, you've got to seek God and you've got to ask God to give him a word for the church. No, we've sought God on what you have asked for. And we've asked God to give us a word that can help you in your lives? Because we've all got questions. It's not wrong to have questions. We all have questions. And I'm telling you right now, God's word has the answer to every question that you can ever have. Why? Because here's what we're going to do this month. We're going to give you practical truths that will work in your daily life. Who needs the word of God to work in your marriage, in your home, in your finances? That's what it wants to do. But so often we separate ourselves from it because we don't realize it's got the answers for everything that we need. So each week this month, we're going to discover what God's word has to say. Pastor Pete preached an incredible message last week, discovering how do I know God's plan and purpose? How do I discover that for my life? Stephen preached an incredible message on Wednesday night. Come on, how can I take care of my temple, my body? What, what does God's word, how can I honor God the best? And we've got some great subjects still coming. Next week we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare. The week after that, how do I raise my children in this current culture and society? And it's just going to be a powerful, powerful, powerful month. But again, for the fourth year in a row, your number one asked question is this. How do I handle stress? How do I handle stress? How do I deal with the stress and the emotions and the turmoil that has been created in my life? And we all have it. And if it's left unchecked in our lives and unattended, it will destroy your life. Because I believe this, stress causes more problems to our lives physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually and relationally than anything else does. And if you don't believe me, then there's a reason why you asked for it as number one again. Because you know that to be true. So let's look today at some of the causes of stress. What are some of the things... That cause stress. This isn't a list that I came up with. In fact, it was produced by professional organizations that have said this is the leading causes of stress in people's life. It can be the death of a loved one. That can bring great stress and tension through that. It can be confrontations. No one likes to confront people. And it can be tough when you know you've got to face a situation at work this week, and you can be uneasy because you're not sleeping, you're stressed about it. A marriage can be stressful. No marriage can be stressful. Amen. What about this? Deadlines. Wow, well, I've got to work hard. I've got to get it done because they're asking for it. That can be a stressful time. Homework is due. Papers, term papers, finals, be stressful. Legal problems can create stress. You ask people who are going through custody battles and going through divorce situations and stuff. It can be tough when the judges are holding decisions in their hands. Job loss. Job loss. If you ever been there, that's tough. No bills or bills and no money to pay the bills causes stress. Divorce. New jobs can cause stress. Old jobs, current jobs can cause stress 2 Retirement. Something you live all your life for and you're like, man. but most people are like, man, I'm stressed. I don't know how I'm going to make it financially. I don't know what I'm going to... We've got a small group for that on Tuesday nights, by the way, and you've got one more week to come to that. Money problems stress. Man, you're quiet today. Is that okay? You're you're, you're, you're just listening. Is that what you is? You're taking it all in. Money problems, or are you just kind of feeling stressed about the list that's on the, the screen today? There you go. Money problems. Nothing can affect homes and families more than perhaps money issues and struggles. Illnesses can be very stressful when you find yourself going through things over and over again. Parenting. Come on, all my parents in the house. Parenting can be stressful. Come on, being a teenager can be stressful. Where's all my teenagers in the house? Can be stressful, stressful, it's stressful. And that's why you ask for it. And we're going to help you with that parenting. The pace of life can be stressful. Have you ever thought, man, I wish just everything could stop and just wait for me? And it doesn't. You, you, you're a week behind if you take seven days off. Uh, And so sometimes we don't want to take vacations because there's more to do when we get back. It's almost like easier. Come on, expectations of others. Anyone ever been there? Just having people pile that expectations upon you. Unresolved sin is another major one that can cause great stress in our lives. And, And then for us who are locally, there's another real cause of stress. And that's this. Are you ready? LSU. 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 That's one that causes stress nearly every weekend. But today, let me give you the good and bad news about these things. I thank God there is good news, but there's also bad news. So which one do you want first? Well, we're going to go to the bad news. Let's get that out of the way first. And the bad news is this. I can't make that stop. I can't make the circumstances of life stop. I can't wave a magical wand and all of a sudden money issues are gone, that job situations and marriages and raising kids. That circumstances of life that we cannot avoid. And they are circumstances that we're going to have to constantly face, to have to deal with. Listen to me, look at this. And that's the truth is this, are you ready? God didn't die for those things not to happen. God didn't make an obligation to us and said, I'm going to die on a cross and then you would never have a problem at home. You'll never have financial issues. You're never going to have deadlines. He didn't promise that, did he? That wasn't his obligation to stop the circumstances of life. So that's the bad news, but there's good news. Amen? There's good news. There is good news. And here's the good news. Are you ready? God wants to help you rise above it. God wants you to rise above those circumstances and stresses. I know you want to hear a message that's going to rid your life completely of stress. We're going to help you to do that, but there's some processes. that can, We don't just click our fingers and it happens and we pray because God's not under the obligation of that. But He made it possible for us to rise up. How does He do that? He gives us something greater on the inside. Look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 7-9. through 9. We now have this light shining in our hearts. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars. But what are we doing? We contain this great treasure. Say with me, great treasure. treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not for ourselves. Because we are pressed on every side by troubles. But we're not crushed. We are perplexed but not driven to despair. We are hunted down but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. In other words, plenty is happening against us. Plenty is happening around us. Plenty is happening to us, but there's something greater that we need to have within us. I want to say that again. Plenty is happening around us. Plenty is happening to us, but there's something greater that we can have inside of us. And what is it? His power. We have this treasure in our bodies. We have a power that's not of us, but of God. And you know what that is? God's peace. God's peace, that inner fortitude that God wants to give inside of us. And I'm so glad today that God, Jesus, is known as the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Why? Because that's not just what He gives, that's who He is. And I'm so thankful it's not just a byproduct of who He is, it's everything that He is. He is Ah, peace, and he longs to become that treasure inside of you, that great treasure, because peace is who he is. John sixteen thirty three. These things I have spoken, Jesus said, I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. But in the world you will have tribulations. You're going to have troubles, trials, and sorrows. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. But be of good cheer, because God says, I have overcome the world. I have overcome every circumstance that will face your life, every situation. I can help you to be an overcomer through it. Come on, I can overcome the effects and the circumstances that want to afflict my life. How? Through God and through His peace. Psalms 34, 19 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Okay, Pastor Philip, can we go to a different message? You're kind of getting me depressed here. I, I don't want to hear that. Well, you need to hear the truth today. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but it doesn't end there. But the Lord delivers him out of them, half of them. No, God delivers us out of them all. There are many afflictions and struggles. Anyone with me with that today? But God is able to deliver you out of them all. In other words, God's power, His peace, is able to bring comfort and strength to you right where you are at in your current circumstances that He will turn them around for good. You know that's in the Word of God and all things work together for good. God is turning them around. Come on, it's going to be good when it's God. The word affliction there is described or described by that of an Assyrian form of torture. What the Assyrians would do is they would take a person and they would tie them to a pole. And then they would begin to pile rocks around that person, up upon that person, until that person would be suffocated and literally crushed to death under the weight of every one of those rocks. What a slow, horrifically painful life. And many are the afflictions, the pressures, the struggles. Maybe today you're gasping for breath. Maybe it took everything in your power to get here today. Life's tough. The job's tough. Kids are tough. Money's tough. Sickness is tough. You've got great pressures upon you every day. So in that state, we sometimes struggle to say, well, God, how are you able to deliver me? You say many are the afflictions and you're able, but God, I just don't see that right now. I don't feel that. But I want you to know something today. How do we know that God can deliver us? Because God produces what He promises. God will always produce what... It's not an empty promise. How many times have you made empty promise? Come on, parents, you tell your kids, man, we're going to get ice cream tomorrow. And three weeks later, they're still waiting for ice cream. And you say, I didn't lie to you, it's going to be tomorrow, but tomorrow never comes, amen. So many people have made empty promises. Jesus didn't just write things in his word just to soothe us for the moment. He wrote things in his word to change our lives that we can build our future upon. So when he says troubles are going to come, but I will help you be victorious over those things... You've got to listen to His Word. So let me help you today with dealing with stress. And we're going to go directly from God's Word. So you can't say, well, I don't believe that. That's psychobabble. No, we're going to take it straight from God's Word. Philippians 4.4. 4. We're going to start here. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. rejoice. Come on, let's say that together. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. rejoice. That's easy to write that when everything's going good in your life. But what you've got to realize, as Paul is writing this, he is in prison. It's not the luxurious prisons we see today. He is in prison right now and he is waiting to be executed. For his life to be taken. But yet he says, rejoice in the Lord. Has anyone got any more stress than what Paul was probably facing in his life right there? And throughout the entirety of the book of Philippians, we see Paul talking about having joy in your life while he's in prison, while he's going through those things. Read the book of Philippians when you get home this week. It's not a long book. But how is that humanly possible? Only with God's supernatural help. Because God wants to do something within you, with you. And we're going to look at five things that Paul did. And how practically we can apply these to the life. So they can begin to see immediate results. We're going to give you a point, but then we're going to give you a takeaway. What do I mean by that? What you can start doing in your life today that will change your life. Point number one, are you ready? Worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. Philippians 4 verse 6, the first four words. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Well, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Because we know we shouldn't worry. Even before I've told you today, you know you shouldn't worry, but yet we still do it. But what really is worry? Look at this. I believe this. Worry is distrusting the ability of God for your life. You are saying, God, you're not able to take care of my life, my family, my kids, and my future. And we've got to realize exactly what it is. I like what Pastor Chris Hodges says. Look at this statement. He said, worry is borrowing from the future something that probably isn't going to happen. You're robbing your future of something. In fact, I believe the statistics they say is 92% of the things that we concern ourselves about never even happen. That, that's pretty high stats right there. And we worry and we fill ourselves because most of what we worry about never happens. But the damage has been done because we find ourselves consumed. The word worry, look what it means. The word worry in the Greek means to choke or to strangle. And it literally means this, a divided mind, a divided mind, that my mind is divided just stop worrying. That's what we know we've got to do, but it's not easy to do, is it? Come on. You tell yourself not to do it, but you find yourself still doing it. And some people worry when there's nothing to worry about. Help me, pastor. What do I do? Matthew six twenty-seven. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Here Jesus is talking about time. Through worry, can you add any time to your life? Are you giving yourself extra time? Are you giving yourself quality of time through worrying? No, no, no. So here's what worry is. Are you ready? If you're taking notes today, it's not on the screen, so you need to write it down. Worry is thinking out of time. Worry is thinking out of time. In other words, thinking out of the moment right now and beginning to concern yourself about the future. Jump to verse 34 of Matthew 6. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself, because each day, say with me, right now, has enough trouble of its own. I've got enough going on right now without going into tomorrow. I've got enough right now, this time, this moment right now without going into the future that I don't have control over. Come on now, I'm preaching better than you're responding. I've got to start concerning myself. I didn't say worry, but concerning myself with what I'm facing right now so I don't have to be stressed and worried about it tomorrow because today is the preparation that I need for tomorrow. Think about this. Come on. We're giving you truths today. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday and God got you through it. Here's the takeaway. Are you ready? Ready? So if I'm not to worry, how do I do that? Here's your takeaway. You've got to live one day at a time. Sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Remember the Lord's Prayer. It says, give us this day our daily bread. We've got to trust God for the daily bread that we need and stop worrying about what we think we're going to need tomorrow. Tomorrow. We've got to try that. We've got to be right here, right now. Because the thought of tomorrow can destroy your today. So what are we saying? You've got to stop thinking ahead. Think right now. Shut your mind off. Prepare, but don't stress about it. Prepare for tomorrow, but don't... Stress about it. When you find your mind going, oh, on Wednesday, you've got to stop yourself and say, hold on a second, this is Sunday. Let me enjoy Sunday and do the right preparation today and then Wednesday's going to take care of itself. Come on now. Point number two, pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's another reason why I love God's Word so much. Because the Bible never tells us to stop doing something without giving us the right thing to do. So the Bible doesn't say, just stop worrying, don't be anxious. The Bible says, yeah, that's what you don't need to do, but here's what you need to do. The Bible says, don't worry, but pray. Don't worry, but trust God. Don't worry, but include God, because he's that inner strength and fortitude that wants to help you. Come on. God wants to replace the wrong with the right. That which will be helpful, that which will be building, that which will be producing. Well, help us, Pastor. What do I do? Pray on the spot. Pray on the spot, where you are, whenever you are, let's pray. If there's someone that comes up to you with a problem, you don't have the answer, let's pray. When you're facing situations in your life and your mind feels bombarded about what's ahead, come on, send it up and begin to pray. Pray, pray, (laughs) pray, pray, pray. pray. Because here's the choice, are you ready? You can carry it or you can give it. If you want to carry it, that's called worry. And worry is a sin, by the way. I just want you to know that. The sin of distrusting God at His Word. Give it to God. And you may have to repeat that over again. Come on, I said you may have to repeat that again. You may have to give it to God again. And you may have to give it to God again. You may have to give it to God again. And it's not because He's struggling with it. It's because we're the human ones and we're the ones who's struggling. But He wants you to keep talking. And the more you talk to Him and give it to Him, the greater your relationship is going to be. So we replace the worry and stress in our lives with prayer. Look at this statement, don't let prayer become your last resort instead of your first response. Well, I've done everything. I guess I'm going to have to pray. Pray first. Pray first. Let prayer be your first response. And you're going to find your life in everything, Philippians 4, 6. Look what it says. Be anxious for nothing but in everything. Before you send that email, pray. Before you make that call, pray. Pray. Before you go into that meeting, pray. Before you test kids at school, pray. When you're at the doctor's visit and he's going to bring some notes and he's going to come in with some reports, what do you do? You are praying. Before you go to sleep, before you wake up. Well, you can't pray before you wake up, but the first thing you do when you wake up is pray, 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 pray. Come on, get into a new habit of praying. Because I'm telling you, the old one ain't working. You're stressed to the max. It's not going good. You're worrying about tomorrow. Come on, pray. Give it to God. Surrender it to God. Who's just feeling the release already in the house? Amen. So what do we say? Here's what we teach you. Let worry be the alarm clock to pray. When you start to worry, anyone remember those old alarm clocks? Man, those things will wake you up. When you start worrying, let that alarm go off. Eh, 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 eh. What am I going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give it to God. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God. Oh, just breathe that in. Oh, the peace of God. Despite your circumstances. God didn't say all your circumstances are going to change. And everything that you're concerned about is just going to, bam, fall back. But the peace of God's going to come wherever you're at. In the middle of the struggle, He's going to be there. And He doesn't just come, but He comes in such a way that goes beyond your understanding. Quit trying to figure God out and trust Him. And what will that peace do? That peace is going to guard your hearts and your minds. My God, I need guarding of my heart and my mind. And who does that? Jesus Jesus. So what's the recipe for overcoming stress and Rory? Be here right now. Come on, don't worry about tomorrow. Prepare today. But be here in the moment. Don't worry about anything. Be here in the moment. And secondly, we're going to give it to God. So here's the practical step. Scripture, 1 Peter 5, 7. You notice how much Scripture we're giving you? Because it's in God's Word. First Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety New King James says, cast all your care onto him because he what? He cares for you. Here's the takeaway. He cares. You need to realize that God cares about what you're facing. Ben, God cares about the struggles that you're going through with finances. He cares. He cares about what your kids are going through. He cares about what's happening in your body. He cares. The enemy wants to tell you he doesn't care because if he did care, he wouldn't allow you to go through those things. That's a lie because many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord, he's right there with me to bring me through. He cares for me. And that's not what you feel at all times. But it's still the truth. He cares about everything. So let him in through prayer. Through prayer. Number three, are you ready? Think about the right things. Think about the right things. Remember, this is straight from God's word. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, just, pure, lovely, if there is a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, what are we to do? Think on these things. When's the last time you thought on something that's good? I can tell you when you thought something that was bad. The doctor's report comes and the doctor says, Man, there could be a mass there. We consume ourselves with the thought of I have cancer instead of believing that God is my healer. Come on, we've got to think on that which is true and pure and what is godly. The first two steps that we talked about release the worry, living in the moment, praying about everything. But this step here helps us to maintain the peace that we need through our lives. He says, think on these things. In other words, let this be your new filter for your mind. Where your mind goes, what your mind thinks on, how it reacts and how it responds. So with that being said, you've got to watch what you're listening to. You've got to watch what you're feeding your life. Garbage in, garbage out. You've got to watch what you're looking at. That you're allowing to come in. You've got to watch what you're putting inside of you. Come on, I'm preaching today. You've got to learn to turn those things off. You, some, some of you need to turn the news off because it's just depressing you. And I don't say just live and don't know what's going on in the world. But I mean, if it's ruining your today, is it worth it? You've got to trust God. You've got to trust God's word. Some of you need to get off social media. That would be the best thing that you could possibly do. Can I, can I help you with social media? Is that cool? Can I give you a pastoral help on social media? Here's what I believe social media should be used for. Social media should be used to reflect what you love and shouldn't be your concerns about what everyone else thinks. I, I think you need to use social media to post about what you love. So therefore your family and the things you love. Don't use it to, to fight against what other people are thinking and saying and, and trying to police the whole world and go after everything. Come on, use it to grow God's church. Show your family and to promote other people. Amen. And if it's not doing that, don't do it. That's just a bonus for you. You've got to change the channel. You've got the remote in your hand. You control what you're thinking about. You don't control the thoughts that come into your mind. Yeah, right. Now, you can help watch those by the things you watch, see, put in that can fuel that thing. But Have you ever been driving down and a thought came in and, man, it came straight from the pit of hell? You know that. You were like, bam, like that. So what do you do? You can't control what comes in, but you can control what you meditate on. You can control what takes root and hold in your mind and you can cast it out and say that's a lie. And then you start claiming the truth of God in that area. Change the channel. Proverbs 23, 7. For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. If I'm going to think it, I'm going to become it. What you think is what you become. So put a filter around your world. So here's the takeaway. You've got to realize this. Are you ready? My world, my life, is shaped by my thoughts. So if my life is shaped by my thoughts, I've got to watch the thoughts I'm taking in. So I've got to ask myself when those thoughts come, here's the takeaway. Is that going to promote my life or demote my life? Is that going to help me or is it going to hinder me? I can't make the stressful circumstances and situations go away and vanish. But I can help you in them. I can help you have a greater strength within you. Number four, you've got to be contented with what you have. Find contentment with what you have. There's always going to be the desire for more because that's human nature. We're told we've got to keep up with the Joneses. I've never met them. I don't even know who they are, but we're trying to keep up with them anyway. We've got, we've got to keep up. We've got to have this. and we've got to, We're told constantly that we need more. We need more. When's the last time you turned on the TV and they said, just throw everything away. You don't need anything. But you need this device. If you don't have this device, my God, you can't even drive your car anymore because you've got to have this device to live. You'll never have clean clothes if you don't have this. Man, you're going to stink and go around with dirty clothes because you've got to have this thing. Man, how did we last all these years without it? They put it on sale for what reason? Because you've got to have it. What do you say? Well, I had to buy it because it was on. We're told we can't live without it. We're told we've got to get it while they last. I'm telling you, they're going to make another one. I'm just telling you right now, it's not the last one. If you miss this one, there's no more. We've got to get it while it lasts. Philippians 4.11. Not I speak to regard to need. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. And here's the secret why. He said, for I have learned... That really hit me when I read that today. I have learned. That means there's a process of teaching right there. You've got to learn some things. You've got to be in that classroom. You've got to be in church. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in relationship because you need to learn some things. You need to be reprogrammed and retaught some things. For I have learned in whatever state that I am in, I have learned to be content, thankful. I've learned to appreciate where I'm at. I think we would do well to lower our expectations. Now stay with me right now because I know that can sound like we are given up on circumstances or situations. Let me explain that. I believe we need to lower our expectations so we can enjoy life. Because if you wake up every day and tell yourself this is going to be a perfect day and nothing is going to ever happen to me, you're going to be disappointed by the time you get out of your bed. I'm not talking about by lunchtime. Because someone's going to send you a text, someone's going to cut you off on the way to work, your boss is going to look at you wrong, they're not going to look at you. If you're expecting everything to be absolutely perfect, you are setting yourself up for failure. If you're expecting yourself never to get sick, and never to raise your voice with your spouse, and never to have problems with your kids, oh, you can claim that and pray about it all you want, but you're going to be pretty frustrated. I said you're going to be pretty frustrated. So expectations here, they put such an unnecessary pressure upon ourselves and other people. I don't believe we shouldn't have expectations, but we've got to watch that our expectations are realistic. Paul says this, I know how to be abased. He says, I know how to have nothing. He says, I know how to abound. I, I know how to have more than I need. He says, everywhere in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abandon, to suffer in need. But here's the secret he's learned I have found contentment and been thankful for right where I am at. I love this verse from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 6. It says, Better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. I think we've got to look at our lives and begin to strip away some things because a lot of the times when we ask for stress and help me to deal with it, the reason we're saying that is help me deal with it so I can take on more. That's what we're really saying. Give me peace so I can take on more and I can do more. And that's not what God's word wants us to do just to give us that peace so we can do more and more and more and more and more and more and then burn out and blow up and explode. I think we need to look at our lives and simplify. I think we need to look and ask ourselves what's important and what's not. Because the world has the way of presenting things as so important. If you don't do this, then there's going to be problems. If you don't do this, then your kids. If you don't have your kids in four sports, then you are ruining their life. The world wants to tell you stuff like that. But as a parent, you need to realize and say, man, I ain't going to be no parent to my kids if I'm going four nights a week. I've got to simplify things and we're going to have to pull back and we're just going to have to pick one thing. For right now. Come on, we've got to find thankfulness and contentment with what we are, not where we want to be. I'm going to say it over here because they didn't respond so good. We've got to learn to find thankfulness and contentment and structure and order with where we're at, not wanting more, 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 more. Finding contentment, slow down, cut back, be happy with a little. 1 Timothy 6.6 says this, Now godliness... With contentment is great gain. A lot of people have godliness, but they're not contented, and so there's no gain in their life. And we're not talking about laundry detergent. Just saying. Come on, godliness with contentment brings great gain. Stop asking for more. So here's your takeaway. Are you ready? Here's your takeaway Christ is enough. Christ is enough for me that's what you need to be saying They, they may have a new car and until God wants to bless me with that if he ever does Christ is enough for me right now be contented with where you're at come on be thankful a lot of people are thankful for nothing really but I'm telling you right now if you want to be thankful here's what you're thankful for you ready be thankful that you haven't got what you deserve So what are we? We need to be thankful, not expectant. Don't expect more and expect. Be thankful and content with what you have. Are you with me today? Yes. Almost done today. Number five. You asked for it, by the way. Just saying, you asked for this. Number five. got to trust God for all things. you got to trust God for all things. Not many people do that now. A lot of people say, I'm trusting God. But man, I've read your social media. If that's trusting God, I don't know what God you're trusting. Come on, Lord, lot you say, I'm trusting God. No, you're not. You're stressed out to the max. You're trying to do everything yourself in your own strength. I, I said this on Friday night, and it doesn't really go here with the message, but I think this is a really great quote that you need to hear. Are you ready? Hell is the place where people go who want to pay for their own sins. That was worth coming to church for today. Hell is the place where people want to go who want to pay for their own sins. He paid the price. I've just got to accept that so I can go to heaven. Amen. But people still want to pay the price. They still want to do. They still think that they're trusting God, but it's just in words. It's not in the actions of their life. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Which again, it's not a license to do more stuff. Man, I can take on more runs. I can take on more games. I can take on more stuff because God's going to give me the strength that I need. Don't be foolish with that. Simplify, prioritize. Because here's what I'm telling you. God will give you the strength you need to do what He has called you to do. Come on, parents, He'll give you the strength to be the parent that your kids need. You may be maxed out because you're doing things that God's not asking you to do. You're trying to be something that God hasn't. God will give you the strength that you need to complete the tasks that He's given. Verse 19, And my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Remember, Paul's in prison writing this. You've got to realize that. He's in prison writing this. And he says, but my God is able to supply all that you need according to His riches in glory. How? In Christ Jesus. Why? Why could he say this? Because of the confidence he had in his relationship with Jesus. The trust he had. Bob, can you bring me a chair up here just really quickly? I want to show you something. You've got to see this right now. When you came in here to church today, you you, you didn't kind of walk around the chair. You, You didn't walk around the chair and say, I wonder if that chair can support me today. You know what you did today? You just came to a chair and you what? You sat down. You know Why? Because you've sat down in... Can I preach right now? Some of you have sat in that same chair for four years. You need to move to another chair. Just saying, just saying, just saying. Just saying. It's molded to you, you know. It's like perfectly formed. But you know why you didn't worry about this chair collapsing? Because you've had the experience every week that you have known through sitting in that chair. That you can trust that. You know why a lot of people don't trust God? Because they haven't had the experience with God. They're not living in a relationship with God. So when you don't have an experience, you're like, man, God, I don't know if you can handle my problems. Come on, we've got to get to that place where, and my God shall supply all my needs. God, you're going to take care of me. You're going to trust me. Why? Because I've got the experience. Because I know what he's brought me through in the past. And what he's brought me through in the past, he's able to do again in the future. I know that can handle me. Why? Because based on past experiences. Come on, you've got to have a relationship with God that goes beyond just today. You've got to remember what he was and what he wants. You've got to have a relationship built on past experiences. And if you haven't had a relationship with God, that can begin today. And we're going to give you an opportunity. Look at Psalms 9 verse 10. And those who know your name, they will put their trust in you for you Lord have not forsaken those who seek you you see it's easy to read that verse but you've got to trust that verse you got to live in that verse when the enemy comes you got to say no I'm trusting in God I'm trusting God with my life with my kids with my future I'm trusting God what's the vision of our church the vision of our church is life love purpose Life, love and purpose is the vision of our church. And the first part of that vision is life. Why life? For this reason, we want you to know God. That's where it has to start. We have to know God. That's the goal. That's what we do every service. We put on a service for what reason? An experience that you can come in so you can know God in a greater way. Maybe for the first time. Maybe knowing God in a greater way today. We want what? You to build a trust and a confidence in God. But guess what? We can talk about it. We can share it with you. We can give it to you. But you've got to put that trust into action and make it an experience in your life. You're the only one that can do it for you. I can't do it for you. I wished I could. Band, you can come back. So here's the takeaway. You ready? Trust is born out of a real relationship. A real relationship. The closer I get to him, the more I know I can trust him. Help me, pastor. Help me, pastor. I'm stressed to the max. Well, I'm glad you came today because we gave you the answers. But what will be your response to it? Bow your heads all over this place. Bow your heads over this place. What will be your response? What will be... Your response. Come on, guys. We've got to live in the day. We've got to live in the moment. Come on, guys. We've got to pray about everything. What else have we got to do, guys? Come on. We've got to pray everything. But then we've also got to think about the right things. And then we've got to be contented with what we do have. And then we've got to trust God. God with every part of our lives, every part of our lives, every part of our lives. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed, who wants to lift up the hand and say, I needed that message today. I needed that. I needed that. Who's grabbed a hold of some takeaways that you're going to take with you today? Come on. I'm going to do that. Man, I hope you took notes in church because you're going to need this. You really are. It's on you version. You need to save it on your phone before you leave because it will go with you. Because you're going to need this this week. You're going to need it next week. You're going to need it the week after. You're going to need it. Because we live in a stressful world. Circumstances and situations of life are tough and they can get us down. But God's the answer. He's all you need. So every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to pray for those of you that would. Say, Pastor, I I don't know if I know God in that way. I don't know if I know Him. That I can put my trust, just like that chair you talked about, Pastor. I don't know if I can trust God because I've been hurt, I've been wounded. Church people have hurt me, church has hurt me. Listen, church people and church aren't God. You've got to have a relationship with Him. And when you know him, you'll find out how much he loves you. I wonder today if there's anyone here that you would lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm not where I need to be. I need to rededicate. I need to make things right. Come on, if that's you all over this place. Every head is bowed. Just lift up your hands. Just begin to lift your hands up. Thank you, young man. Is there anyone? Thank you, sir. Is there anyone else right now? You're just surrendering. Thank you. I'm just making it right with God. Just making it right with God. Thank you, sir. Come on, that's four hands that's gone up in the house. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're making it right with God. Can just everyone stand in the house today? We're going to pray for those of you that lifted up your hand. We're going to believe with you right now. We're going to trust God for your life. Would you pray with me? Join with me in this prayer. And everyone's going to pray this prayer with you today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. I thank you today that you love me. And dear Jesus, right now, I want to give my life to you. I surrender everything to you. And I ask right now that you would come into my heart, that you would change me, that you would transform me, that you would make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on, let's celebrate in the house.